0: Well, good morning. Uh, Welcome to our next uh, discussion of the documentary, Foundations of the Anglican Church in North America. This is from the end of the prayer book, the 2019 prayer book. So far, we've had four um, discussions of the 39 articles we just did. Uh, Most recently, the one on the 1801 amendments to the 39 articles. Um, And so today, uh, I want to give some consideration to what is called the Jerusalem Declaration. Uh, The Jerusalem Declaration was uh, written by the uh, Global Anglican Future Conference back in the year 2008. Um, just a brief background for this. Uh, the Anglican Church, uh, the Anglican Communion Worldwide, which consists of 30 to 40, I can't remember the exact number provinces. Those provinces are generally national churches. So Church of England, Church of Nigeria, Church of Sudan, etc. cetera. Um, the Anglican Communion Worldwide, um, whose uh, titular head is the Archbishop of Canterbury, um, has been undergoing some, uh, some struggles, some divisions, some arguments, limitably I think, um, specifically around um, uh, issues of theological liberalism, in particular the um, uh, ordaining of, ordaining of uh, um, openly gay uh, clergy, and uh, who are not celibate as well as the um, elevation of same-sex marriage to a sacrament in the church so that in some places like the episcopal church in the united states or the anglican church in canada there are now um, you can have a same-sex wedding in a church officiated by a priest Um, and uh, most of world anglicanism 70 to 80 percent of anglicans worldwide um, are part of uh, provinces that reject uh, this, uh, innovation. Um, and, um, so they got together in a group called the Global Anglican Future Conference that first met in Fink in 2008. And, um, one of the things that GAFCON, uh, produced was the Jerusalem Declaration. The Anglican Church of North America was founded in 2009 as a resolution, um, created, provided for at this same GAFCON, uh, meeting in 2008. Um, as a way, as an alternative jurisdiction in North America, other than the Episcopal Church and the Anglican Church in Canada, for um, those who want to hold to the traditional uh, take on sexuality and just biblical authority and conservative theology in general. So, uh, anyhow, the Jerusalem Declaration came out of that and it's part of the foundation of the Anglican Church in North America, so let's take a look at what it says. In the name of God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. We, the participants in the Global Anglican Future Conference, have met in the land of Jesus' birth. Yeah, this was in Jerusalem, I think, is where they met. We express our loyalty as disciples to the King of Kings, the Lord Jesus. We joyfully embrace his command to proclaim the reality of his kingdom, which he first announced in this land. The gospel of the kingdom is the good news of salvation, liberation, and transformation for all. In light of the above, we agree to chart a way forward together that promotes and protects the biblical gospel and mission to the world, solemnly declaring the following tenets of orthodoxy, which underpin our Anglican identity. So this is the first substantial uh, theological document um, created by Anglicans for Anglicans to identify um, Anglican um, an Anglican approach to Issues is very similar to the 39 articles, which were written to uh, address controverted uh, disputes in, in, back in the 16th century. This similarly addresses disputes in the 21st century. First, we rejoice in the gospel of God, through which we have been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because God first loved us, we love him. And as believers bring forth fruits of love, ongoing repentance, lively hope, and thanksgiving to God in all things, okay? So the emphasis is that we have been saved by grace through faith and that uh, therefore results in a transformed life. Okay? Article 2, we believe the holy scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be the word of God written and to contain all things necessary for salvation. The Bible is to be translated, read, preached, taught, and obeyed in its plain and canonical sense, respectful of the church's historic and consensual reading. I love this article. Okay, so the Holy Scriptures, Old and New Testaments, are the Word of God written, and they contain everything you need for salvation. This was echoed in the 39 articles. Additionally, the Bible is to be translated, um, and of course into different languages, read. can't just translate it and leave it alone. You've got to read it. Preach, taught, and obeyed. And now, how should it be translated, read, preached, taught, and obeyed? It should be done so in its plain and canonical sense, Okay so plain sense what it what is what does it just say like on the surface in general can we read our bible and understand what it's saying yes okay so we should do that and it should make sense canonically so the bible together comes as a single uh, book for us it's not um, we're not going to try to set say john against matthew or something or the writings of paul versus the writings of james or something like that that the bible makes sense canonically it is within the whole canon of scripture and our attitude should be of res- respect towards the church's historic and consensual reading. So what the church has historically said, the Bible means, and what the consensus of the church has said. This is a, re- a reminder of the Catholicity of the church, that the church is um, in all times and all places. And we, as Anglicans, we really seek to identify with the consensual, uh, consensus of the early fathers uh, before the... Big East-West split, and with Vincent of Lorenz, we hold that the Catholic faith is that which is believed everywhere, always, and by all. Um, And so we we care very much, Scripture is first, but Scripture rightly read, that is rightly read plainly, canonically, and with with church history and the consensus of the church in mind. Third, we uphold the four ecumenical councils and the three historic creeds, as expressing the rule of faith of the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Okay, so we explicitly uphold the first four uh, big ecumenical councils. So that's going to be Nicaea I, uh, Constantinople, um, Ephesus, and Chalcedon. And the three historic creeds, that is the Athanasian, the Nicaea, and the Apostles' Creed. Um, the reason for four and not seven is complicated in some ways, and we got into this some with the 39 articles, but uh, the latter three councils don't say anything really new about Christology or about Trinitarian uh, theology, which were the point of the first four councils, Um, and there's some debate within Anglicanism about the findings of the seventh council regarding um, the use of icons, and so uh, to maintain unity, Gafcon has said, we affirm the first four. That is we affirm that the, the basic teachings of the first four councils that God is a trinity and a trinity in unity, neither confounding uh, the uh, parts or dividing the substance. Okay? that That's from the Athanasian Creed. That uh, Jesus Christ is the Son of God, truly God and truly man. That the second person of the trinity assumed a human nature. So he has two natures, two wills, um, and is one person. Um, and the Holy Spirit is also God. Um, who proceeds from the Father, and the, of course the Son is begotten of the Father, and the three are forever in great engagement with theologians called the perichoresis, or the uh, sort of eternal dance of love. Fourth, we uphold the Thirty Nine Articles as containing the true doctrine of the Church, agreeing with God's Word, and as authoritative for Anglicans today. So it's in the Jerusalem Declaration that we find that the Thirty Nine Articles are affirmed. Um, as containing the true doctrine of the church agreeing with God's word and as authoritative for Anglicans today. So this gets into what we discussed when we are talking about the 39 articles as the nature of their authority. So the Jerusalem Declaration, adopted by uh, Gafcon provinces, um, does affirm the 39 articles as authoritative. However, again, note the caveat, the true doctrine of the church agreeing with God's word and as authoritative for Anglicans today. But in what way is it authoritative? Well, it is authoritative beneath scripture, which was in Article 2. It is also authoritative beneath the four ecumenical councils and the three historic creeds. So to the degree to the, to the 39 articles agree with God's word and with the creeds and the councils, then we accept them. Um, so that doesn't mean that we accept them wholesale, exactly as they are written, word for word, sentence for sentence. Um, but we accept them in a qualified, in a qualified sense. Fifth, we gladly proclaim and submit to the unique and universal Lordship of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, humanity's only Savior from sin, judgment, and hell, who lived the life we could not live and died the death that we deserve. By his atoning death and glorious resurrection, he secured the redemption of all who who come to him in repentance and faith. Okay, so Jesus Christ is Lord. He is the only way in which we can be saved from sin, judgment, and hell. And he saves us by living the life that we could not live and dying the death that we deserved. And so there's this great exchange where Christ is in our place. And we approach him by repentance and faith. Six, we rejoice in our Anglican sacramental and liturgical heritage as an expression of the gospel. And we uphold the 1662 Book of Common Prayer as a true and authoritative standard of worship and prayer to be translated and locally adapted for each culture. Okay, so... We accept the 1662 as the Big Daddy Book of Common Prayer as our standard for worship. Seventh, we recognize that God has called and gifted bishops, priests, and deacons in the historic succession to equip all the people of God for their ministry in the world. We uphold the classic Anglican ordinal as an authoritative standard for clerical orders. Okay, so we're explicitly affirming the three order of bishop, priest, and deacon. We're affirming that these are um, these orders are, are, are passed on via apostolic succession throughout time, so the laying out of hands by bishops uh, going back to the apostles. And those bishops then authoritatively consecrate deacons and uh, priests for their work. And we uphold the classic Anglican ordinal, this would be the ordinal attached to the 1662 uh, BCP. Eighth, we acknowledge God's creation of humankind as male and female and the unchangeable standard of Christian marriage between one man and one woman as the proper place for sexual intimacy and the basis of the family. We repent of our failures to maintain this standard and call for a renewed commitment to lifelong fidelity in marriage and an absence for those who are not married. Okay, This became really important to include in the uh, Jerusalem Declaration because of what the uh, Episcopal Church at the time and the Anglican Church in Canada and I think the Anglican Church in Australia, maybe, we're doing. And now, um, it's 2023, and the Church of England is on the same uh, path. Namely, humans are created by God, male and female, in God's image. Marriage is between one man and one woman. That is the appropriate place for sexual intimacy. If you're not married to, if you're a man, if you're not married to a woman, a woman married to a man, then you should be abstaining from sexual expression. Nine, we gladly accept the great commission of the risen Lord to make all to make disciples of all nations, to seek those who do not know Christ, and to baptize, teach, and bring new believers to maturity. Um, the idea here is that the Anglican Church must be missional. We go out to proclaim the gospel. We do not keep to ourselves as insular little um, as insular little group. Ten, we are mindful of our responsibility to be good stewards of God's creation, to uphold and advocate justice in society, and to seek relief and empowerment of the poor and the needy. This is one of the great things about being a global church, uh, with a good chunk of our church, most of our church, the majority being sub-Saharan Africans, is that um, those of us in the White West are confronted with our lack of attention to environmental um, issues and our oppression of those who are uh, poor by our failure to care for, uh, for them. So the church's mission is not simply individual, it is also corporate. It is concerned with justice for all. We are committed to eleven. We are committed to the unity of all those who know and love Christ and to building authentic ecumenical relationships. We recognize the orders and jurisdiction of those Anglicans who uphold Orthodox faith and practice, and we encourage them to join us in this declaration. Okay, so we would like to be united with other Christians, specifically with Anglicans, um, but other Christians, so we're going to work on building ecumenical relationships. And we recognize all Anglicans worldwide who are um, Orthodox in their faith and practice. Okay, so those who have it deviated from the uh, faith once and for all delivered to the saints, the authority of scripture, the commitment to um, uh, historic orthodox teaching on sexuality, that's sort of thing. Twelve, we celebrate the God-given diversity among us, which enriches our fellow global fellowship, and we acknowledge freedom in secondary matters. We pledge our work, we pledge to work together to seek the mind of Christ in issues that divide us. Um, this is sort of a veiled reference in particular to the ordination of women. So there are some jurisdictions in GAFCON that do not ordain women to the presbyterate or to the diaconate, and there are some that do. Even within the Anglican Church of North America, uh, about half the diocese ordain women as priests and the other half do not. Um, There is an agreement among the Gafcon provinces to not consecrate any female bishops, any additional female bishops, until we can resolve this particular question. 13, we reject the authority of those churches and leaders who have denied the Orthodox faith in word or deed. We pray for them and call on them to repent and return the Lord. This is a specific reference at the Episcopal Church, the Anglican Church in Canada, and now, of course, the Church of England. The idea is that there should generally be one province within each geographic area. It's lamentable if there are multiple bishops claiming the same kind of area as their diocese. And so this is a way of saying that Gafcon is willing to send in missionary bishops into uh, the North America, in my context, but Australia and England as well, um, in order to uh, establish alternative uh, jurisdictions, because we reject the authority of those churches which have deviated from the faith. And then finally, uh, 14, we rejoice at the prospect of Jesus' coming again in glory, and while we wait this event of history, we praise him for the way he builds up his church through his spirit by miraculously changing lives. So we recognize the gospel will actually transform us and that it is our task as the church to await Christ's return. All right, hopefully that's helpful uh, going through the Jerusalem Declaration. And I will see y'all later. Thanks.